Good evening, everyone. How was Thanksgiving? Yeah, like that. Okay, cool. Love the honesty. Yeah, I mean, the reality is that that a holiday can be special and wonderful, filled with incredible memories. Um, and for those of us who have lost somebody recently, it can be a difficult reminder of that reality. Um, and so many of you probably even worked on Thursday and you were like, I just want to clock out, get home and crawl up into bed right now um, with all the craziness. So we're, however awesome or crazy or um, wonderful or chaotic your holiday was, um, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to come together to, um, to worship together, to sit under the scriptures tonight um, and embark into this, uh, this ramped up December season um, of Christmas that's going to be pretty crazy as well. So as we are doing that, I want to talk about something else tonight about global missions. So it's a global mission gathering. We have this once a year where we focus on the concept of global missions. Now, I bring that up fully aware of the craziness that is this season and that all of us already are in overload. So to bring up something else we should care about is pretty rough, right? I mean, let's be real. Our world is filled with a plethora, plethora of problems. Like there are so many things that we can, can, should and do care about, right? All the issues of our day and age that are worth our care, worth our support, worth our effort, worth our... Um, resources and our time and energy to pour into. I mean, there are incredible and desperate needs in our world. Caring for the orphan, the widow, the marginalized, the immigrant, the homeless, the victims of trafficking, the planet, animals, ethical sourcing of goods and services, church planting around the world, evangelism ministries. Like the, and you can kind of just go from there and you could go into any of those with probably 20 different directions, right? Like there are so many issues around us all the time. And then I talk about Global Mission Sunday, where I'm going to bring up another cause that all of you can, should care about. See, we can easily just add this on top of the pile of all the things that I could, can, and should care about. Um, But my hope is that that's not where we go tonight. I hope that where we enter into space of the beauty of the gospel a space of freedom where we can talk about things that do matter, where we can talk about things that we should care about, but we can do that in the trust that we have a sovereign God who is above and before us in everything, that his care is for us and his care is with us as we are in motion. So I was thinking about how much I love, so I'm a millennial. Um, I would imagine many of you here are either millennials or Gen Z. Uh, And one thing I love about these two generations, both generations get a lot of heat. Each generation always gets a lot of heat. Both of those generations get a lot of heat. Um, But but one of the things I love about these two generations is that they have not disappointed in their cause-drivenness. Cause-drivenness. Now, many of us fall into those generations, um, but there has been so much care over the last decade or so towards so many different matters, either of social change, um, care for the marginalized, ethical practices. Um, all these different things have kind of been up to the forefront with honestly staggering results in a lot of different ways. Now, the conversation can and should be had about which of these issues and how they're played out is ultimately good or helpful. That's a different conversation for a different time. But what I want to talk about is that what we have got the opportunity to see is what happens when individuals come together towards a singular cause. What happens in the world? What the effect that that changes? See, 
The amount of motivation for each one of us, each person for any given cause is unique to that person. So when it comes to us, for those of us who are here tonight and we are followers of Jesus, we are what should be our cause? What should be our care? What should lead us into the space of thinking about gospel transformation, gospel mission, gospel cause drivenness? What should be the, the motivation of our hearts? What should be the motivation for followers of Jesus? What should motivate the church toward action? In other words, a simple question, if you're a note taker, is what is our why? What is our why? What is our why? So then we're going to start tonight talking about our why, but then how is that connected to cutting through the cause overload of our world and discovering how we can actually affect change, how we can be a part of transformation in our world, but not just transformation in our world, because everyone wants to make change in our world, but the kind of change that is truly rooted in who Jesus is and in his kingdom so that we are making his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that it would echo and reverberate through eternity. So let's start with our why. What is our why? Well, last week, Joel was up here and we were in, the ser- in our series on the book of Philippians. And I love this passage Philippians chapter one, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I think that's really beautiful. That is so beautiful. You see Paul's desperate care for this church. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That his care, his affection is so much for them. He wants to see this, that I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You see his care. See, what this reminds me of is an important fact that's reverberated throughout the scriptures that we are called toward unity. We are called towards one mind, towards one spirit, but not rooted in just another worthy cause, right? Because typically, like, let's say that we all were a crew of people that really wanted to take care of manatees. Like, manatees are cool, right? Like, ever, no, nobody hates manatees, right? Like, they just do their thing over in the springs. Like, they're manatees. So, like, imagine we all cared about the cause of manatees. Well, we would have un- unity, even though maybe we think a lot of different things on a number of different ways, but we all agree on manatees. But then there's all the other issues that divide us and break us up. Now, for the church, we are called to have unity, but not unity in a particular cause, but in a particular Why? See, our why is the gospel. Our why is the gospel. And I say that, and if any of you, if you've spent any time around the church, you're you're familiar with that word probably, the good news of Jesus. But oftentimes, the gospel can be considered like the ABCs of Christianity, like the basics, like the foundations, and then you move on and you grow into other theological realities. But that's not the gospel at all. The gospel is A through Z, of Christianity. The gospel is everything. Apart from the gospel, we don't have hope to be saved or sanctified, to be transformed into the image of Jesus, to be made more like him. We don't have that ability to just will ourselves toward goodness. 
We need the effect of the gospel to both save us and to sustain us. So the one thing I know that is true for each and every one of you, whether you are here tonight and you still don't know about this guy named Jesus, you don't know if you can trust the Bible for anything other than chicken scratch. Like you don't know anything about this and you don't know if you should trust any of it. Or you have been following Jesus for 50 years. You need the gospel. Every one of us in this space needs the gospel desperately. We need to be reminded of the gospel. We need the gospel preached to us by ourselves and by one another because it is meant to be our absolute why behind everything. So I wanted to read to you from uh, the book of Ephesians chapter two. I love the way that Paul articulates the beauty of the gospel. Ephesians chapter two, verse one. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So that's our natural state. Like there's not a whole lot of good in that, but it's very clear. Like we are not just like, decent and need a little bit of Jesus on the side. No, our position is in desperation and you were this way. This is who you are. You were a a rebel against God's desires. You are dead in your trespass. Like this is our reality. But God, there are no sweeter words in all of creation than but God, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. What's his motivation? Obligation? No, love, fatherly care and affection because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. That means you don't earn it. You didn't earn your way to God. It's not about being a little bit better next time. It's not about try harder tomorrow. By grace, you have been saved. And this is not your own doing. And you have been raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. That's the truth. That's the gospel. That is the beauty of the gospel. But you see, it doesn't just end in a place of belief. For we are his workmanship. The Greek word is poema. It's the concept of the work of an artisan. Obviously, we get the word poem from it. It's the work of an artisan who has crafted us. We are his poema. We are his masterpiece that he is refining and working on. Why? Created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, why does that matter? Because it's not about just believing the right things or saying you believe the right things. It is being transformed by the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done and realizing that he wants to affect a change in your life, in your heart, in your soul. He wants to do a work and it's not just for rookie Christians. It's not just for the noobs. It's for every single one of us. We all need the gospel. I know you've heard this before. Hear it again. You need the gospel. I need the gospel more than I know. 
We need the good news that Jesus has come. And when we do that, when we remind ourselves of the gospel, we are reminded that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which he has planned beforehand. It's not our good works by our wisdom and our ingenuity. It is his good works that he has planned beforehand. He is the one who is doing all the real work. We are just the vessel. Just use me, pour me out. Pour me out. Where do you want me to go? Just use me. That's the heart of Jesus. And that's his heart for us in our lives. And I mention this as we're talking about the why, because we need to see the beauty of the gospel. Because when you think of what cause you ca- that you are going to carry out into the world around you, is this the story that is backing you forward? Is this your ultimate why? Because it should Take us to a place of loving God, to abide with Jesus, and outward to love well others. See, this is the true story our hearts were created for. So, we're called to have unity in our gospel beliefs. But you see, there is a rich diversity in gospel opportunities. It's based on context, personal experience, culture, and more. But it's rooted in the gospel as our ultimate why. So behind any truly gospel opportunity lies the missional focus of the good news of Jesus. And it can look unique to you and to me. But for some, it's going to, so for some, it's going to take us into places of foster care and adoption. For others, it's going to take us into maybe planting a church. For others, it's going to take us into the world of fair trade and ethical resourcing. Like this is idea, it's going to take us, the gospel is our why, it's going to take us to care for sex trafficking survivors. For others, it's going to take us into providing vocational training to those who are in under-resourced areas. Like, Do you see that? Do you see why this matters, why the why matters so much? Because if the why is just because it makes you feel good to do something important, that's only going to last so long. But if the gospel is your ultimate why, then regardless of the result, you can persevere. Because the gospel is our why. So we have different applications, same gospel why. So our why is the gospel. So the next question is the how. Well, in the book of Luke, chapter 10, verse two, Jesus is sending out the 72 to go and to make disciples. And he says this to them. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, Get smart and figure it out all in your... No, that's not what he says at all. All right, he says, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You catch that? Jesus is talking about... You're, you like want to talk about need? You want to talk about like an issue? The world needs to know who I am. They need to be made into disciples of the way. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. There's going to be a, a shortage of workers. But notice he doesn't say, so go and come up with some solid strategy sessions. Like go and figure it out. Go like use your ingenuity and you're going to get this one. No, what does he say? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we are called to pray for gospel partners to be invited in with us when we are feeling like we're the only ones in our workplace who knows and loves Jesus. And you're like, man, it's such a dark break room I'm in all the time. Pray to God that he would send partners in there with you, people who would partner with you to be a light in the midst of the darkness. 
So the harvest is plentiful. And this means that there's an assumed invitation for you and for me. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you would call yourself a follower of Jesus, then guess what? This is your calling. You already are called into this mission. It's not like a, it's not just professional Christians or something. It's all of us. So then in John chapter 20, I love what Jesus says, verse 21, peace be with you as the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So he gives us some insight into the way he is sending us, the same way that his father sent him into the world. Well, how did the father send Jesus in the world? There's like a holiday, Christmas, like this idea that Jesus came in the form of human. He came to be what was called the word, the fancy word is incarnational, meaning he put flesh on God. He came to dwell with us. And we are called to do the same. So I am sending you. So when we do life in ministry, we are called to do life in ministry, not just go preach at people, but to go do life with people, to be with people. See, Jesus sent us just as the father sent him. He is our model for ministry, that we should go and image him. Now, the reality is I am tr- honestly, when I was prepping this message last week, I was thinking about how, how worried I am and expectant I am that this can easily fall in deaf ears. That when you hear a message like this, when you hear a passage like this from Jesus, we put a buffer around ourselves thinking, man, other people definitely need to hear this one. Thinking, yeah, somebody else, this is a great one for somebody else. But we put a buffer around ourselves from allowing the word of Jesus to actually affect our lives and our hearts. So do we see this? Do we see the challenge here? And that the challenge isn't just for somebody else, it's for somebody else and it's for you. See, Jesus is sending you on mission to go love well, to go beyond your comfort zone, to care deeply. And it's gonna draw us into the mess of life, to difficult realities. But here's the good news. It's never alone. Instead, we always have the presence of the one who sent us Jesus, great commission. Jesus lines out what he is calling us into to go make disciples of the nations. You go baptize him, teach him all that he has revealed to us. And he says, and behold, I will be with you always till the end of the age. Y'all, we're still in the same age that he was talking about. And he is still present with his church. But so we first have the presence of Jesus, but not only the presence of Jesus, we have the presence of one another. Remember Philippians 1, what we just read before, that Paul is saying, I may, that I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, side by side, striving for the faith of the gospel. Like that's beautiful, right? Like this idea that we're gonna be in lockstep together. We're gonna do this together. We're not gonna do this alone. We're not gonna do this in frustration. We're gonna be like brothers and sisters going at this as family. But the reality is, is that it's not going to be easy. And it's because of that, that I think we need each other, that we would be sober minded enough to hear what Paul goes on to say in verse 30, for it has been granted to to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Like that is so not what we put on bumper stickers and tweet about, right? Like that's not that message, this idea. Not only that you'll believe in him, but what? But that you'll suffer for Jesus too. 
sweet. Like that's not exactly what we want to hear. But the reality is, is that the way that we can be, the way that we can rest in the midst of that, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of the messiness of life and ministry, is in the awareness that we are not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. You have the spirit of God in you and you have the community of God around you. You are not alone. See, suffering is a part of missional life. So not exactly the best sales pitch, but it is more worth it than you and I could ever know. Because it's one of those hard things that's actually worth doing. So this is your missional call. But it's not just as individuals, but it's us as a community. See, we have the opportunity to partner together with one another, as well as with brothers and sisters across the globe in faithful gospel ministry. So our why is the gospel. Our how is together. Now, this is global mission gathering. So how does this connect to global missions? So now that we set that primer, let's wrap it up like this. As one church, as Mosaic Church, we have two locations. Um, We support over 30 different global partners around the globe, financially, prayerfully, uh, with short-term mission teams and in relationship, which honestly is pretty cool. Um, I'm, I'm super thankful that we're a part of that. But imagine if we as a community went deeper in relationship rather than simply wider by adding more and more partners. This is the vision that we are embarking on when it comes to global missions into the years ahead. See, we believe God is calling us to go deep with the ones that we already have so that the partnerships grow deeper and deeper, become more rich, that the care is even better, that the resources are even better. So here at Mosaic at WDW, we're going to be focusing going deeper as well. And we have been prayerfully doing this in two ways. Um, the first focus, uh, I don't really have a lot of details on this one, but I just wanted to l- let you know about this so you could be joining with us in prayer on. Um, we're going to be, we are desiring to create one or two gospel partnerships uh, with local churches with, that are nearby Disney theme parks around the globe. Um, right now, we're, uh, I'm in talk with a friend of mine who pastors a church in um, Balderop, which is right outside of Disneyland Paris. Um, so we're in talks with them. Um, and they've been there for 15 years, but they've never really known how to reach cast members. Not that like we have by any means like cracked the code or whatever, and not that it would even inherently transfer to France, but hey, they're around a Disney park, we're around a Disney park. So let's see what that looks like. So we're seeing what that could look like. Um, so I'll keep you guys posted on what that might look like in the future, but it might look like some short-term mission trips, not just vacations to Disneyland Paris, just so you know, um, but genuinely partnering with them uh, and seeing what, that, what their needs are as well. But the focus that I do want to bring to your attention tonight is with the Mapinzi family. Some of you guys know the Mapinzis, Elizabeth, Trezor, Jedediah. Um, they were here in January. Uh, they, um, Elizabeth uh, was a part of this community. She was a cast member at Walt Disney World, part of this community for years until God sent her on mission to Malawi, which is in West Africa. Um, she met her husband, Trezor, there and has since um, had a, uh, their son, Jedediah, who's super cute. Um, so during their time in Malawi, they have joined in with God in his incredible work. Now, there's three needs that they identified in Malawi. 
The first is they identified the desperate need um, of, in a nation of abject poverty and hunger. There's a lack of resourcing, especially for specifically single mothers, um, to be able to get the resources they need to exit out of the poverty cycle and out of, um, out of a life of hunger. Um, so that was the first need that they identified. The second need they identified is that in a nation that is built around farming, like everyone's a farmer in Malawi, uh, that there was a great lack of farming resources and sustainable farming practices. And what that meant is that the land has been stripped of all of its natural nutrients, um, which means that you pulled year after year worse and worse crops, and which means that that only feeds into the poverty cycle, which is pretty scary. The third and obviously the greatest need that is the same need as our nation and every other nation is a desperate spiritual need, the need of Jesus, need of discipleship in the lives and the hearts and the minds of the people of this beautiful nation. That, that they would receive the word of the gospel and that they would be transformed through discipleship relationships. So those were kind of the three needs that they identified. Now, you might remember when they came here in January, some of you um, probably were not here back in January. So uh, I actually asked them if they would give us an introduction uh, and a reintroduction for some of us to them and to their ministry as well. Uh, just before we queue up this video, I just wanted to fill you in a little bit about what, what we're gonna, how we got what we're watching. Um, Elizabeth and Trezor, they are moving to the farm. Spoiler, they're building a farm, and they'll talk about it. Um, but they're moving to the farm. On, they moved there on Tuesday. They had to move out of their previous home early to move into the farm. They are going to be without electricity for the next two weeks because it's going to be a few weeks before, the, um, before they can get that set up there. So we needed them to shoot video, and that was really hard for them to, in the, that they had to go get moved in. And on the day of their move-in, they went back to the village uh, to go and shoot this video and send it to us um, on, I would imagine, not not super fast internet speed on a Google Drive, right? So this video was specifically because they love our church so much that they did in the middle of a move with the child, with a newborn, basically, like that they would do this. So just know that, that heart as we watch this video. Let's cue it up. Hey, Disney Campus. Um, this is the Mpenzis. I am Trezor. I'm Lizzie. And this is Jedediah. Yeah, uh, talking to you from the Sewing Face Farm in Malawi, Africa, where we are serving. And uh, yeah, uh, tell us about you, Lizzie. Yeah, so I actually moved to Florida in 2013 to work for Walt Disney World. And there I started getting involved in Mosaic at the Disney campus. So you guys are my home. And I actually ended up working for... Um, Animal Kingdom. I ended up working in Africa on safaris. And so I spent almost five years at Disney being involved with Mosaic and uh, working for Disney. And then I um, actually ended up going on a short-term mission trip to Cape Town. And that's where God called me to Africa. And so in 2018, I left Florida and Disney and I came here. And now I live full-time in Africa. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so yeah, this is us on the farm. We moved last night on unfinished building and everything, but crazy, tiresome, but definitely amazing. Uh, so we are on this farm that we're going to use as a platform to share the, the gospel. The, what I want to do will be um, use this as a training center where people can come and learn how to farm sustainably, and using everything locally uh, available 
to tell them that God loves them, God have provided all these things for us and use that as a way to show them how Jesus loved them and really uh, try to um, disciple them as we farm, as we do this together. We love farming because it's a common language here. Almost like 90%, I think, of the, of the population live uh, uh, from farming. So it's something people understand. So we'll be... We'll, we hope to have many people and we hope, to, we hope that Jesus will move and touch so many lives through this ministry. Yeah, in addition to the farm, we also built a school for our tailoring school. Yeah. So for the past few years, I've been running a tailoring school called Kufunikira Tailoring School. And in Chichewa, Kufunikira means valued and important. And so we are running a training school for sewing for mainly women who have no other income for their families and are the main providers. And so this way, they are able to gain the practical skills they need from sewing to build a business, while at the same time, we're able to disciple, disciple them and work with them to grow in their relationship with Christ. And one of our real passions is to make sure that they understand that they are valued and that they are loved as women of God. And so we have actually been able to build our own school. Um, so we run several different classes for um, for different types of women. We mainly focus on like widows and single women, women who are really vulnerable and really have a need. Um, and we are able to provide them with training skills and discipleship. That's awesome. Um, and uh, so you guys may be wondering like, yeah, how can we be part of this cool thing? Yeah, you're really welcome to partner with us in so many ways. One, praying for us, praying for us. We are yeah, here on the field. We really need your support and your prayers have been really encouraging us and lifting us up in, the, in times of need. Pray with us. And uh, you also are really welcome to partner with us financially. Uh, if you want to be, become like a monthly supporter to uh, this uh, awesome ministry, really, you are very welcome. We love that. And uh, we also want to partner with you relationally. We want people to, you know, talk to us, encourage us and, you know, know what what's going on on daily basis on a personal level just yeah we are very very welcome to join the team and be part of this amazing team it's not only us you are part of the team and we want you to join so let's do this together we love you guys you're so awesome bye 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 love you yep they're sweet <laughs> awesome so that is, uh, that, that's Elizabeth and Trezor. They're, they're just wonderful. And they care desperately about our gospel partnership. So, um, so here's what we're going to do from here. Um, the Mapenzies are our gospel partners. They are called on the exact same mission that you and I are called on, just in a different context. I don't know exactly what that looks like for you. For them, it takes them out of their comfort zones in some pretty crazy ways, um, for you, I don't know exactly what it looks like. But what I do know is that the same why exists for them where they're at right now is for us where we're at right now. I remember when they were here talking in January about their dream of the farm, like they hadn't even purchased the land just yet and what God could do through this project. And, and now as they were saying, it's underway. Um, so one last video I wanted to show you is they created a vision video um, that they, they had sent to me a, about a month ago uh, that kind of gives you an overview of the farm. So I wanted to show that with you as well really quick.
This is Waiwam Mirala and uh, this is Sowing Faith Farm. And uh, we bought this land in 2020, May 2021. And as you can see with me, look around here, there is almost no trees. There's really few trees you see around and they've been cut down because when people farm, they cut all the trees down. And if you see around me, you see the ridges. And this is how we really, really farm. And uh, I wanna show you uh, the soil. You see, um, it's very, very dusty, which at the end, the end result, it, it can't even absorb water because it's really poor quality. It's really dusty. And this land has been farmed for many, many years using uh, 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 chemical fertilizers, hardly no manure or less. And as you see, it's very, very bare. What people do, they come and they take all these things out and they burn them. So they leave a bare land to plant again. So we want, we want to develop this land using uh, farming goes away techniques where we um, use everything organic, we recycle everything, we waste nothing, everything goes back in the nature using uh, a lot of marching, what we call God's blanket. Um, and, then, and then we'll see how the transformation will come. We want to see want to use these techniques, things that are available here, locally um, available, so we can uh, teach people that all these things we have are very um, are beautifully gifts we got from God, so we can use um, to enrich our soil, make them more um, uh, productive with less input, as long as we are faithful and uh, diligent with what God has uh, given us. Yeah, we are using permaculture as a way uh, to design this property, as a designing technique to make sure that uh, we are minimizing the waste and so that the, um, the waste from one side will be an input on the other side so nothing really goes to, to waste. And uh, we then use farming goes away as a technique of farming uh, when it comes to growing crops and they will focusing much also on uh, agroforestry to add more uh, trees, trees that will help for uh, fixing nitrogen, trees that can be uh, also um, produce fruits and trees that will definitely produce fuel um, in terms of like uh, uh, cooking and uh, firewood. We are also using uh, we raise animal to create manure, and uh, we are using compost toilet to also not waste uh, human um, manure as well. So we believe that Jesus transformed people. Jesus changed people. Farming techniques are really good, but without Jesus, they are nothing. We're using the gospel to. Uh, we're using this technique to be able to bring the gospel and show God's love to these people and everyone around us. Uh, God has blessed us with everything we need. We just have to be, uh, be uh, faithful and steward them well. And um, yeah, and he use them to give glory to him who created us and these things. So keep in touch, keep following and see how this journey will go and uh, stay tuned as we move uh, forward with uh, this project. Thank you very much. Awesome. Um, isn't that so cool? I mean, human manure is a weird word to say. But uh, other than that, I mean, like, the, it, it is, it's just incredible. I mean, remember those three needs that they identified when, when Elizabeth first moved there? 
farming practices, um, uh, hunger and poverty alleviation specifically um, for vulnerable women and, and this deep spiritual need for discipleship. And those are the spaces that they have been stepping into, providing, equipping women with micro-businesses, equipping um, individuals to be raised up as disciples of Jesus, helping create better, more sustainable farming practices. Like that, that I don't, know, I don't know about you, but that's just so encouraging for my spirit to like hear that this is what our partners are doing right now. So this is a story that you are invited into. Now, as Mosaic, we are already partnered with them um, and in a number of different ways, but there are some specific ways that each of us can go deeper with them. Um, so so I want to share those opportunities with you tonight. The first, as Trezor mentioned, uh, is to create direct, um, monthly sponsorships for their ministry. Uh, so what we were praying about is if God would raise up 20 sponsorships of $20 or more tonight out of us. I don't know if that's what's going to happen. Um, and if you can do, and if all you can do is last $5 a month, whatever, that's awesome too. But we wanted you to consider praying to partner with them in that way. Seeing the lives of women and their families transformed, allowing the opportunity to be discipled into the gospel. These farming projects that are going to be happening for the years ahead are going to take a lot of effort and resources. So we have the opportunity to join in with them with that. The second way is Trezor talked about um, creating more relationships. That's been a huge need for them that they talk, they've talked about is they just kind of feel lonely and isolated a lot of times. So uh, something that we have created at Mosaic in the past are a thing called global impact teams. And global impact teams are simply individuals who come together and just simply wrap around from thousands of miles away um, to offer them prayer, support, care, finding out, a, kind of being that liaison, finding out what the needs are for them and for their ministry. Um, so we would love to help start a global impact team for that. And you can also consider doing that. And the third, which is honestly kind of crazy, is that there's a short-term mission team that is heading there to Malawi in February of next year. So that's like not super far away, but hey, God does crazy things. So if God is calling you, you're like, man, that farm, I I want to go and help them dig wells or whatever they need right now, like I am in, then, then do it. Um, and we also can make that an, a possibility for you as well. Know this, our opportunity is a both and proposition. We are called to live on mission here, now, in your break rooms, with your roommates, with your family. And we are called to partner with one another here. And we are called to partner with those who are far away. So to live on mission, to support mission like what they're up to is a beautiful thing. And I started by talking about cause overload, and it is a thing. But in the gospel, we find freedom, not freedom, though, from caring, not, but freedom to care intentionally and strategically, to do what God is calling us into, moving outside of our comfort zones, but all the while knowing that it's not ultimately up to us, that God's sovereignty is over everything that he is orchestrating everything. See, if he is not involved in the story, then we should honestly be pretty terrified. I mean, we have now had the opportunity to see over the last like X amount of thousands of years to see what happens with human civilization continuing to progress. Like we take like two steps forward and like 20 steps backwards, right? Like that is a human story because we are broken because we don't get it right. So we try to fix it on our own terms, but it'll constantly fall short. But you see, when we trust the heart of the creator, we live in freedom. 
Freedom to engage in the harvest. Freedom to love with urgency, but not with haste. Freedom to live on mission without allowing the mission to crush us. So that's our opportunity. Now, typically what happens in a normal gathering is right now I would, uh, I would pray and then the band will come up and they'll lead us in a response of musical worship. Tonight, though, we are going to respond in two ways together. The first way is we're going to be responding in prayer. Specifically, we're going to be praying for Trezor and Elizabeth in their incredible ministry as well as the nation of Malawi. So we're going to be putting up some prayer prompts up here on the screen. In an effort to, to just symbolize the fact that it's not about any one of us, but it's about all of us. What I'm going to invite all of us into, this might be a little weird for some, um, but is to pray out loud. To pray out loud for three minutes over these prayer prompts. So I'm going to turn off my mic, and that's what we're going to do for the next three minutes. So look at the prayer prompts, um, pray them out loud, uh, and go out of your comfort zone just a little bit here. Let's pray.